Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, fine. Let's discuss what happened on that game that the Cowboys lost embarrassingly to the Green Bay Packers. I guess it is time for us to do it. So let's go ahead and actually talk about the game. Here we go. What is up, everyone? And welcome into ADZ Sports Dallas Primetime. I am your host, Mauricio Rodriguez, streaming with you live every Sunday through Thursday night at 8 p.m. Central here on Dallas On Demand Sports Talk Network. With a lot more content coming your way, make sure that you check out adzsports.com slash Dallas. And as always, do me a favor and hit the like button for me if you enjoy the show. So probably you're taught, you're looking at that video title, you're looking at this show title and thinking, I mean, we've been, we've been talking about it. But here's what I mean. I feel like as soon as that game, heck, as soon as the first half of that game was over, I feel like our minds were just past the game already, you know? And I feel like most of the discussions that we've had up to now are really more from an overall point of view and just trying to figure out, one, who is the guy to blame, right? Even though it's a more complicated answer than just the one guy, the one person. Or also maybe it has sort of become like this, are the Cowboys going to fire Michael McCarthy or not? Is Dan Quinn coming back? What about the future of Dak Prescott? And all of those are very understandable topics to attack. But I also think that, you know, it's it's, it's good to talk about what happened. And, I, and I'm sure a lot of people are like, you know, it's been almost 72 hours or more than 72 hours. Uh, it is time for us to actually sit down and talk about what the heck happened on that game. Uh, and basically what I did is I just have some notes that I will go over and, and we'll talk about this entire game and, and how it went down. We'll talk basically about the first half between you and me because the, the reality of, of this game is that it was over by halftime. Uh, sure, the Cowboys had somewhat of a chance. I'm not like, I don't even believe that, right? I don't even believe that when I say it. But mathematically, maybe they did at one point in that game. But it was over by halftime because you went into that locker room down 27 to 7 and feeling lucky that it was 27 to 7 because it could have been 27 nothing because they forgave they, they really forgave Dak Prescott for for that pick that would have been his third in the first half when he was targeting Jake Ferguson over the middle of the field before the Cowboys finally punched it in uh, for a touchdown in the first half. So even a 27-7 score was you feeling lucky going into that locker room at halftime. And even though you knew you would get the ball back, if you, you knew that even if the Cowboys scored 27-14, sure, you could have a game on your hands. But I don't think there was anything to believe 
that the Packers would just stop dragging you on on defense too because sure your offense maybe could catch up they've been high powered all year but I'm not sure if we had any hopes that the defense would also uh, settle down and to ask both units to settle down simultaneously uh, really felt like uh, an impossible and daunting task Uh, so what happened on that game we're going to talk about it Uh, ladies and gentlemen thanks so much for being here by the way And maybe if we feel like it, we will have the one cool thing at the end of the show. Uh, If you are not new here, you know that that usually is Dak Prescott on the on the one cool thing graphic. But right now he's got the he's got the bag over his head. So we'll see if we get to the one cool thing. Maybe we need it for our own sakes. Right. Maybe we need to talk about something cool, I guess. Uh, But in the meantime, though, let's get to it. And I'll get to the comments here in a little bit. But the first thing that happened on this game was that the Cowboys were absolutely unprepared to deal with the Packers' running game, and they were even more unprepared to deal with the Packers' play-action game. And that was clear from the get-go. Here are some stats for you. The first 12 plays that Matt LaFleur called into Jordan Love's helmet, first 12 plays... Out of 10 of those, you ha- they either ran the football or ran play action. And the Cowboys couldn't do anything to stop it. First couple of plays, big, big uh, tackles for losses. And we got a little bit excited. And then it seemed like they had gotten uh, Jordan Love on the sack. But it was really just a holding flag on De'Ron Bland which is kind of a, a result of a, of a struggling run defense where you can see Dave Bland trying to cheat into the box to make a tackle. Uh, and maybe that's what he's doing. And that's why he interferes with the Packers wide out and why that flag is, is thrown in the, in the first place. But just overall, after that, after those couple of tackles that we saw right away, the Cowboys didn't do anything else, basically, on that defensive drive. And that didn't change throughout the entire game. And by now, you probably heard it all about the Cowboys running dime defensive, six defensive backs. And as upset as we can get about that, that's what the Cowboys had been doing pretty much all season at this point. And they weren't beaten that bad by anybody other than than, uh, the Buffalo Bills and yes, San Francisco, but I'm just talking about like the run game specifically being absolutely unstoppable. Because whereas San Francisco does a lot of like fancy stuff and you always are like, hey, Cal Chanahan, he just comes up with all sorts of wild stuff. I'm not saying that the 49ers didn't beat uh, the Cowboys in a big, big way, but I do think Buffalo and Green Bay were the most unstoppable uh, running wise at the very least. And the Packers just didn't didn't deviate from from that. And we can talk about the fronts. We can talk about uh, Damon Clark and Marquise Bell having to man the A gap and having to make those tackles and maybe not being up to the task. And, and because they're undersized and all that, we can get into that whole conversation. But even when the, the when the Packers threw the football and specifically on play action, Jordan Love looked like he was playing Madden on rookie mode. He went six for eight, 107 yards, two touchdowns. Completions were just everywhere and almost an immaculate passer rating of 156.3. 
it was just a game where the Cowboys did not come ready to deal with the play action and to deal with the run game that the Packers had in mind. Now, let's talk about the missed tackles because when we talk about not stopping the run game, I'm wondering like how many missed tackles the Cowboys had. Because I remember with the Bills game, there were there were uh, 12 of them. This was six missed tackles in the game, which is is a, it's a you know it's a considerable number, but it's also not otherworldly. I think just overall you would describe that as an average tackling day in the NFL. But even even in spite of solid quote unquote tackling, the Cowboys just didn't get any stops that you could talk about after those first couple of plays. It was just the Packers running through freedom. And we saw the numbers, man. You know, you know how Aaron Jones did against these Cowboys defense. There was just nothing uh, they could have done about it. Now, in the back end, the coverage was a whole different ballgame because the Cowboys, even though they were a man coverage team all season long, they decided to go heavy into the zone scheme side of things. And that unsurprisingly didn't work out. Now, there's been some theories since then that have come up now that we have more information and then they do make sense. And here's basically how that theory goes. Stephon Gilmore was banged up from his shoulder. He had a turn labrum and he's even going to go through surgery because he was going through it. He was trying to play through injury and, you know, mad respect for Gilly because he was ready to push it even deeper into the the playoffs even with that banged up shoulder. And some people are saying, hey, maybe that's why the Cowboys started to walk back a little bit and play zone coverage because if you have a banged up, a seriously hurt shoulder and they want to put you in press against these wide receivers, maybe you could walk yourself into several issues. But if that was the the whole reality of why you shifted drastically from man coverages to zone coverages, if that was the, the whole logic of it, and you are two quarters in to the ball game and you are figuring out the fact that, hey, this is not going to work out, we, we cannot play zone, do you at least consider, like, screw it. If he's hurt, he's hurt. Benching Stephon Gilmore and playing man, I think by the third quarter, you got to at least consider it if that is indeed the whole reasoning that went behind playing zone coverage. Because you look at what happened in those play action throws, in those uh in those dropbacks, even even the non-play action dropbacks, and it's consistently busted coverage in the back end. Play after play. You had the tight end run the leak route all by himself down the right sideline. You had Jordan Love basically finding guys all across the field and players not making tackle, uh, not, not being there on time. You had the third and nine where Micah Parsons drops back, and you know I brought that one up uh, consistently because it still bothers me so much. And, of course, the coverage is also busted there. No wonder, like, you don't play zone coverage all season long at this rate of course, you're going to make mistakes when you're facing. And I think this is a part where 
where we, we kind of forget about this, but this was a very good Packers offense. Sure, they were 9-8, and eight, but on the second half of the season, they were a pretty good offense. Why would you be that? I don't know if the, if the word for it is arrogant or what, that you felt comfortable doing something you hadn't done all year against one of the best offenses that you had faced, really. I'm not saying they, they are up there with the San Francisco 49ers. But you know what? If you look at just the second half of the season, they're up there. They're up there with the best offenses in the NFL. And the Cowboys were like, oh, man. We don't even need to do our thing. We, we can play zone coverage, and they're not going to move the ball on us. Well, they found out the, the wrong way, right? The painful way. I think if you look at this game, man, absolutely the defense is, I, I want to say, like the most frustrating aspect of it. But I'm not sure if that's right because, you know, we'll get to the offense in a little bit. We'll get to the offense in a little bit. But even if it's not, if, even if it's uh, not the most frustrating part of it, it really is because you didn't do anything that you excelled in over the regular season. Now, let's talk about the pressure here, too, as well. And I'll get to the comments after this segment. Uh, they never hit home. They never did. Uh, per pro football focus, Jordan Love was pressured on seven dropbacks total. I can guarantee you a lot of them were not on third down. Because you, you look at that tape, man, and, and Jordan Love is comfortable. In the, in the pocket, just doing his thing and dealing. He's got time to spare. They had three hits and no sacks to show for those seven pressures. Three quarterback hits, no sacks. And it's the way it goes in the NFL. When you lose a game, when you lose a big game like this, everyone's going to look at the top players, the top coaches, and they're going to point to them. And these last few days... You've heard all about Micah Parsons. I've heard people roasting Micah Parsons for having a podcast, a weekly podcast that he does, uh, that he did on Mondays at least, uh, for Bleacher Report, and people trying to act like that's what kept this team from winning versus the Packers. And I'm sorry, but that's just, that's just being stupid, if you ask me. Like, trying to make it about that. Because it's really not about that. He He's going to get... Uh, defensive player of the year votes for the third consecutive uh, season is going to be, he's, he is second team all pro. It's not because Micah hosted a weekly podcast that the Cowboys lost to the Packers. It's not any of that. And I will say that even though it wasn't his best game against Green Bay, I have a hard time looking at the tape and being like, oh yeah, Micah, Micah is absolutely the reason why the Cowboys lost. He's not. He was dealing with the usual double-teaming stuff. Uh, I Again, I hated that they dropped him back on third and nine. But when he was rushing uh, the passer, he was dealing with uh, with double-teams. There's one particular rep where you can see him line up against the right guard and the center. And we pointed that out as a potential mismatch here on the show leading up to the game. And he just gets blown up by Aaron Jones in the double team. So the problem is that nobody else showed up too. Like 
man, if Mike is getting doubled all of these plays, you need somebody to win other than Micah. You need somebody to win. And sure, Mike is going to win sometimes against these double teams and all that, but nobody, nobody showed up in the pass rush department. And I'm not saying Micah did. Again, I don't think this was his best game by a long shot. It wasn't. Uh, but still, good offensive line, and there was nothing you can do about it. And maybe it was a threat of the run that you couldn't stop. Maybe that's what happened there. But the Cowboys were just not getting to Jordan Love this game at all. And man, it, it, when you look at that third and nine, and Micah is dropped back, that's intentionally putting your best player. That's A, intentionally putting your best player in something that, in an ideal situation, to do what he does best, which, he, which is rush the passer. Listen, we can get into the whole discussion about having him play linebacker here and there. But if it's third and nine, and you're finally in that spot where you can be like, hey, Micah, if you're ever going to do your thing, it's on third and nine. And you're going to drop him into coverage there while also having Donovan Wilson rush the passer. Something that, of course, it's not his thing. He's a safety, for Christ's sake. That just tells you about how this coaching went on Sunday, man. Because sure, you know what? We can talk about him being put at linebacker in some place here and there and using him as an X factor. We can have that discussion whenever you want. Fine. But on 39, heck no. On the 39, he's got to be rushing the passer. He doesn't have to be dro uh, dropping back into coverage, especially if the guy that you're going to replace him, him, uh, replace him with in the pressure is Donovan freaking Wilson. You know what I mean? Because I haven't watched the end zone view of that play, but maybe it was one of those like pick a side where if the center slides towards one side, then it's the guy on the other side that rushes like kind of like a read, a post-snap read. But I would much rather have Micah just pick a side than have Donovan Wilson rushing the passer, honestly. And again, we can talk all we want, if you want, about uh, Micah being moved later on, but not on a third and nine. Not on a third and nine. So that's on the defense. Let me see some of your comments here because I know I went on a rant there. And, and we still need to get to the offensive side of things and, and actually talk about this game again. Uh, House Nelson says, I am pissed. And now I have zero interest in these players outside of playing football for the team I love. I could care less about their opinions and anything not football related. STFU and do your job. I don't blame you for that, House. I really don't. That is more than fair. Like, hey, if you don't want to tune in into Micah Parsons' podcast, heck, you don't, you don't have to, right? It's more than fair. If you're not happy about their locker room interviews, that's also fair. I'm good with that. I really am good with that. Heck, I was very upset when Micah went out there after the San Francisco game and was like, you know, what did he say? Uh, laugh now, cry later. And I was like, man, if you're going to say that about a, t a team, it's not going to be the San Francisco 49ers, Micah. And we talked about it here. I was upset about it. But I also knew, and I, I still know now, that isn't the reason why they lost to the Green Bay Packers. 
It wasn't the reason why they lost to the San Francisco 49ers. I'm sorry. It just wasn't. But I do understand, like, feeling that. What House Nelson is laying out here on the show. I, I, I understand that. Uh, Toxic Joey Vallis says, Mauricio, I feel like Dallas is the worst team in the NFL right now. Last time they were last in the NFL, uh, right people were hired and three Super Bowls, uh, Super Bowls happened after. TBD says Joey Vela. Well, the thing is, Joey, <laughs> they're not really the worst team in the NFL right now, uh, which is what makes this loss even more painful, in my opinion. You know, football is football. If you were if, if you were to tell me that hey, the Packers are gonna beat the Cowboys, you know, I would have been like, hey, unlucky turnovers, unlucky turnovers, and uh, that's the way it goes in football. Maybe it was a one score loss, but nah, the Cowboys were just a no show for the biggest game of the year. And man, if there was one season where you at least had to make the divisional round. Forget about the NFC Championship game for a second. But a first-round exit this way to, like, this humiliating of a loss, yikes. Anyways, let's get to the offensive side of things, and I'm going to get us started with a, with a good one. I'm going to get us started with a positive note, whether you believe it or not. This is like the halftime break. Where, where before we get into the bad things on the offense side of things, uh, we're going to get into a positive. You, know, you guys already know what I'm talking about. But God damn it. Jake Ferguson is so freaking good. And he, he deserves all of the praise coming his way. 10 catches, 93 yards, 3 touchdowns. I understand. I understand some of those touchdowns happened very late in the game. And they shouldn't be basically applauded. But Jake gets it. Jake makes impressive catches all over the field. There was a seam throw, which was like, that was regular season Dak Prescott for you right there, where he basically tossed it uh, over the middle of the field. Jake leaps up high, full extension, breaks it down. He had five, he was five for five in contested catches. There were five contested throws headed his way. He brought down every single one of them on this game. And then when he scored the touchdowns, you didn't see you didn't see uh Jake Ferguson being like, oh yeah, move the chains, right? You didn't see him doing that. You 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 saw him basically standing up and going to the sideline. Playing a ball game in which you are down significantly. And I think that's what should have fans very excited about, Jake, is that not only can this guy play the position, and when I say play the position, I mean this. He can make insane contested catches. I know he's had some mental mistakes here and there throughout the season, but they've been the minority of his plays. He can get yards after the catch, and maybe he's got to be smarter about it here and there. Maybe he, he shouldn't be leaping over every defender as cool as it is to see. Maybe he's going to figure that out as we go on. And he's a very willing blocker. Is he the best blocker tight end, blocking tight end in the, in the NFL? Maybe not. But he is willing as heck. 
And you can see it, man. We saw it in the Seattle game. We saw it in the Philly game. We saw it again in this Packers game. The dude cares, and he cares so much. And when we're talking about some of these players checking out in the biggest moment, when we talk about CV not fighting back against Jair Alexander in the first quarter when he is pushing him late, when you're seeing all of that take place, And then the one dude wearing 87 being like, you know, let's get it going. Let's get it going. Let's get it going. And making plays. You're like, hey, there's something special in there, man. And Jake Ferguson really deserves his his, uh, round of applause, even with this loss. Because, man, that dude cares. And he's somebody that you cannot let go moving forward. You just can't. That's somebody you want in that locker room for sure. Let's see here. Um, it's a new day. This is Cam. <laughs> Moving on already? All right. <laughs> Ron says Ferguson is the only one that showed up. And, man, I agree. Three touchdowns, he says. Let's see here. Somebody else said something about Ferg. Uh, Joey Bella says Fergie legit. He really is, man. Martin Aaron also says uh, only one guy played good on Sunday, and that was Ferguson. He's definitely like the one that you would point out immediately and and right now man if he's not if you're a Cowboys fan and he's not one of your favorite Cowboys today out of the today players you're doing something wrong you got to pay more attention because that dude that dude is him he really is respect to him Mark says and Ferguson had you know the courage to interview after the game and yeah he did have a locker room interview so shout out to him now Break is over, boys. Boys and girls, break is over. Break is over. Time to move on. Time to move on from the positive break. Boy, oh boy, that was an ugly offensive performance, though. That really was. And I'll say this, man. Dak Prescott deserves the criticism coming his way. I'm somebody that has been defending Dak Prescott for a while now. And mind you, I'm not going to tell you that Dak is trash or something like some of these people will immediately do. But there's no question that right now he has yet to answer the playoff criticism. And one of the things that I brought up, I think on Sunday, was the benefit of the doubt that the Cowboys had over the last couple of years Facing the San Francisco 49ers. Now, if you want to get to the Super Bowl, then this is pure logic. This is poor logic. However, it is just true, right? You lose the last couple of years to the San Francisco 49ers, a team that made the NFC Championship game twice in a row and and wasn't that removed from a Super Bowl run. A uber-talented, Kyle Chanahan-coached squad. So you could be like, hey, you know what? That's a heck of a defense. Anyone would struggle the way that Dak Prescott struggled on on that one. But this was the Green Bay Packers. The Joe Barry-led Green Bay Packers, defensively speaking. And there wasn't anything that they could do. Now, is he going to get more of the blame that he should get? Yes, he will. Because he's a quarterback. It's the way it goes. I'm not even going to get into all that. The reality is Dak Prescott did play 
a lower level of football than I even than, I, than even I thought when I watched that uh, game live. You look at the replay, and he was jittery, jittery right from the start. And when the criticism is that postseason football doesn't suit you, and what you're showing on tape is that you're jittery, that's not a good look. I'm just being fair. And I like Dak again. I, that hey, gonna be your QB in 2024. Spoiler alert. But that's the one thing that I wouldn't like to see from Dak in a playoff game. Because if you were to tell me, you know what? He threw for three passes because he was being a gunslinger, wanted a deep shot, and just couldn't find it. I mean, I guess, all right. It's not great. Obviously, we wouldn't be happy about it. But all right, I get it. Uh, accuracy and misery, uh, maybe. Like, I could, I could basically deal with that, right? But if you're jittery, if you are seeing ghosts, if you're bailing outside the pocket before you need to do it, that's not a good look if the criticism is that playoff pressure gets to you. It's just not. And I do think a lot of the pressures that Dak Prescott received on this game, according to uh, Pro Football Focus, he was pressured on 17 dropbacks. Yikes. And on those 17 dropbacks in which he was pressured, he had five completions in 12 attempts. So 17 dropbacks, 12 attempts, five completions. And he had uh, one touchdown. And the two interceptions, by the way, did not happen uh, on those uh, on those dropbacks. They were when he was kept clean. Man, he, he just... I, I'm not sure exactly what it was, but you look at that game and he was just bailing from the pocket before he had to, being way too jittery. Uh, footwork was gone for Dak Prescott on this one. And I don't think that the offensive line was losing that much. And that's what upsets me even the most, even more. Uh, that offensive line, it was holding up in pass pro. It really was. You go watch that game in replay. It was. This wasn't the the Dolphins game where you had a Bradley Chubb darting through Dak Prescott unblocked by Chumai Daga. That wasn't this. It just wasn't. So I am upset about that one. And then the picks. This, the first pick doesn't upset me that much. You know, Jerry Alexander, heck of a play. Respect to him. Uh, maybe I'm not happy about where it happened on the field. Like, I'm not happy about the pick. But all I'm saying is like, you know, if that was Daron Bland making that interception, we would be like, damn, that's a big time play right there from Bland. That wasn't even that bad of a throw. He just made a play. But the second pick, the second pick was unacceptable. I mentioned this briefly last night, but I will, you know, say it again. The Cowboys were running slants, basically. Brandon Cooks was the number three guy, so closer to the line of scrimmage, running like this over-the-ball type route, standing in front of Dak Prescott. And I do think Brandon Cooks would have been open. Uh, but CeeDee Lamb's coming from the number two spot, running the slant. And the Packers are showing two safeties up high pre-snap. As soon as the ball is snapped, Darnell Savage, one of the safeties, just runs to an underneath zone and basically stands right where CD is going with the route. Dak has to see that 10 times out of 10. 
It's a disguised coverage. Uh, shout out to the Packers for doing that. You know, good for them. But it wasn't even like this exotic disguising that was going on. It was just show too high, rotated into one high as soon as the ball was snapped. It's just, man, unacceptable. Unacceptable. And he had another turnover-worthy play, which was the, the Jake Ferguson play in the end zone. Uh, it was an ugly game, man. Dak was just not seeing the field right. And again, two things we already talked about. Being jittery and being basically buried in this game because they were buried early on and just not seeing the field well in that type of scenario, which is something that you usually do well because Dak Prescott is usually a good processor of coverages, if that makes sense. So that's definitely going to be something that is frustrating, man. And other than that, what else can we say about this game? One last note that I would have is motion. Motion to me is the perfect way to put how this game went. Because to me, the Cowboys had no answer. No answer absolutely to the Packers offense using motion. Uh, leverages were off. Assignments were off. And it goes back to maybe playing a lot of zone coverage, not something that you're used to. And the Packers are killing you with it. And then on the flip side, on the other side, the offense, the same offense that got to this point, using motion starting in the bye week at a very high rate, went away from it. They stopped using it. And we talked about this last night because of Mike McCarthy. You know, Mike McCarthy can be like, Oh, like he, he can be like Bart Simpson, right? Filling out the chalkboard every week during the regular season being like, I will use more motion. I will use more motion. I will use more motion. And he can do that repeatedly through the regular season in order to avoid what happened in week five in San Francisco. But when it was the playoffs, he forgot all that lessons. He All of those lessons. He, he forgot about how many times he wrote that down on the chalkboard and he just reverted to his own self, which is conservative, static offense. And that's what we saw on Sunday. And I think that's the best way to put what happened against the Packers. It's, I think motion is poetically the reason why you lost this game, right? Obviously, it's not the reason, but a good way to exemplify what happened on Sunday, which was the coaches deviating from what this Cowboys team did well and paying the consequences for it. Now, on this note, let's talk about Dak here for a moment, and we'll be talking about his future very soon here on the show. But I understand, and, and again, he should be getting that criticism. Dak Prescott should be getting that criticism. But if you maybe approach this offense with an easier context right players going into motion easy touches for cd lamp doing what you had done up to this point run, uh, passing the football on second down instead of forcing third and long situations or even third and medium situations maybe maybe you see a calmer version of Dak. just maybe and this is no defense of Dak, but again this is where 
I think I mentioned this on Sunday. I will mention it again. If there's one common ground that DAC haters and DAC supporters can basically meet at is if the guy is not that guy, right? If he's not a great quarterback, if he's not a good quarterback, and supporters can say even if he is a good quarterback, then make life easier for him. And the Cowboys just didn't do that because that was a static offense on Sunday. Forced him to basically put the team on his shoulder. Now, again, I'm not saying I'm not saying Dak uh, shouldn't be significantly blamed for what happened on Sunday, or he shouldn't receive all of this criticism because he should. But at least the coaching staff could have helped a little bit. And I think shout out to Connor Lipsey from uh, blogging the boys. I think it was him. I'm 99% certain it was him who tweeted out that hey. It's not even that the supporting cast for Dak and, and his whole context has to be perfect. Because a lot of people say that. Uh, when, when some, for some people, a quarterback who is not elite uh, is somebody that needs an elite cast around him. That's not true. And Connor said, said it this way. It just has to be not gross. And, and it really was gross uh, on Sunday. Man, tough, tough, tough week, man. Uh, let's see here. Mark Aaron says the Cowboys thought he 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 went don't lose at home. Says Mark Aaron, maybe that the Cowboys uh, thought that they weren't gonna uh, lose at home is what Mark Aaron meant here. This Packers team uh, isn't coming in here and winning. That's probably what happened. Cam says, uh, "Come on out, people. There's still season. This is not right now. Hey, man, we'll see. We'll see next next season if we if we get hyped again." $60 million is Ron Lowry. Uh, Ron Loney, excuse me. He is grossly overpaid. That's a whole other situation that we're likely going to get to when we talk about Dak Prescott here soon. And by the way, he's not making $60 million. I'm just going to say that right now. He has a $60 million cap hit. He's not going to make $60 million in a 2024. He, 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 he does have a $60 million cap hit, though. Uh, that being said, though, the whole salary situation and the contract situation, man, all of that is a, is, a, is a conversation where a lot of people think that the money shows who you are. Like it, it, Some people want to treat it as if they were you know, QB rankings. When you look at contract rankings, they're just not. Just every year, the value goes up. And yeah, yeah, man, Dak, Dak's going to likely sign for over $50 million per year when that extension comes through. Lunar loves is fire McCarthy and fire Quinn. One refuses to adjust and experiment, and the other is vanilla in his planning and has horrible situational and clock management issues. You know which is which, Cowboys Nation. I don't got to explain it to you. But Lunar, Lunar is uh, basically showing us right now how Cowboys Nation basically seems to be feeling right now. We might very we could very well see a situation where none of these two coaches come back. Either because they're both fired or because one is fired and the other one and the other one uh leaves for another job, whatever, right? Anyways, guys, we, we'll talk more about this tomorrow night. We're not going to do the one cool thing. I've decided we went a little bit longer than I thought we would with this uh, first 
segment of the show, which is basically just talking about the game. You know what? We're not doing the one cool thing this week. We're, we're not. I don't think Cowboys Nation is going to be in the mood for it. However, however, we will be back tomorrow night here in ADZ Sports Dallas Primetime as we will be every night this offseason, man. Remember it. Hey, the offseason started earlier than we wanted to. Like the video for me. If you enjoyed the show, shout out to Lunar for remembering it too in the chat. I'll see you tomorrow night, 8 p.m. Central. Thank you so much for tuning in this Tuesday night. I'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.